Hey everybody, it's Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. So today's episode will be our final installment discussing the Good Fight Ministries four-part series, Satan Sex Scheme. So if you didn't catch the first three episodes, please check them out. I did them. It's kind of weird because typically I um, was covering this series on Mondays. But what happened was is that I wanted to do the second part of my series regarding Manny Johnson's book, Color, Communism, and Common Sense. And I was like, you know, I didn't want to do, you know, skip around. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to do that one on Monday. So today we're going to wrap up this series because it was, it, it was it's based on their fourth part series. And I just simply decided to, you know, just kind of go over what they discussed and kind of condense the video and really maybe elaborate on some points that I found very interesting because their premise is that the sexual revolution was uh, a scheme created by Satan that he orchestrated the scheme. And the, really, the thing you have to understand about any satanic scheme is that Satan, it's not that he privies the people to what he's doing, like he's showing them his plan. He simply orchestrates things in a way to meet his end goal, which is to pull people away from Christ. And it's so important that we talk about this. We're going to delve into this topic. And today's episode, we're specifically going to be talking about sex trafficking and pornography and sex traffic are so interrelated that I was blown away by some of the things I learned in this documentary. All right, I'm Christina Caramel and now it's time for some solid food. culture and politics. So again, as I mentioned, today is the final installment in the Good Fight Ministries series, Satan's Sex Scheme. So make sure you go to their website, their YouTube page, follow them on Instagram, Facebook. They're an awesome ministry. They really talk about what's happening in the culture and really advocating for Christ in their culture. I've learned so much about them. I mean, so much from them, should I should I say rather. And many things I learned from them, was I did not realize how satanic our entertainment industry is, but it really kind of makes sense when you think about it because Satan's goal is to pull as many people away from God as possible. And what is more influential than mass media? There's nothing in our world, in the modern world, that is more influential than mass media, not even water. I mean, people typically will move around based on water. Mass media is more powerful than that. You know, so mass media is so influential. And the reality is, if Satan wants to pull massive amounts of people away from God, what better trick would to get his minions into the media and entertainment industry to market licentiousness to the masses? And they talk about this a lot in other series and videos they've created. But this particular one was dealing with um, the sexual revolution. Um, the first couple the first three episodes I talked about Afro Kinsey and Aleister Crowley. I talked about um, um, in the entertainment industry, we talked about um, Kenneth Anger, we talked about Satanism specifically, so we talked a lot of things and we talked about the damage, how pornography is damaging to people in the last episode. Today's episode is more so to deal with specifically sex trafficking. So... Um, 
One thing they point out was most people do not realize that much of the pornography on the on the internet does not contain actors, but sex traffic victims. Now that's really important to know. So most people when they're watching pornography, they think it's just consenting adults who like to have sex on camera. Well, no. Actually, mass amounts of people on the internet are actual sex traffic victims who have been coerced to doing these things. And last time, last week's episode, when I mentioned this, that remember that even though these people, there many of them are consenting adults who've chosen to just be um, porn, porn, pornographic actors. Remember, these are human beings made in a likeness and image of God, and you are enjoying them sinning and rebelling against God, which is sinful itself. Just remember that. At any rate, just to put an, and give you an idea of how much money the pornography industry generates, it generates $14 billion a year. That's a lot of money coming just from the porn industry. $14 billion a year. Also, the, the relationship, and they had a couple of clips they feature from this woman who did a TED Talk, really talking about the, the relationship between sex trafficking and pornography. But the porn industry demands drives demand for sex slaves. And here's how it works. So the things that people see in pornographic films are beyond typically what many regular people will do. And so since it's harder to get another consenting adult to engage in some of these activities that people see in pornographic films, they will hire somebody to live out their fantasy because it's hard to find a regular person to go along with this. So when I say a regular person, I mean a person who's not in the adult entertainment industry. So they will hire a prostitute or a sex traffic, uh, a person who's a sex slave to live out this fantasy. And so that's what she means. So you watch this in the movie. It's like, oh, I want to do that. Girlfriend, your wife is going to go along with it. So you go find a prostitute who's really of someone who's been trafficked to go along with it. Now, one statistic I wish I should have looked up is what percent of prostitutes are actually sex traffic victims. That is a great statistic that I should have had handy, but I don't. And I'm going to find that out and tell you in another episode. I'm just curious to know because that's really interesting. Um, Another thing they talked about is how our society jokes about porn. And yet we cry about sex trafficking. So it's really hypocritical that we can't sit here and like, oh, porn is cool. Make jokes about porn, blah, blah, blah. Because most people are not going to porn shops, shall we say. You know, most people are not going into these stores where they're selling pornographic films because there really is no point. Why go through the trouble of buying a pornographic film from a store when you could just download it off the internet? I mean, it just makes no sense. So people have really no way of knowing whether or not the person you're watching on screen or persons are sex traffic victims or people who will willingly... uh, want to participate in this and the thing about it is is that our society you know we've been desensitized to watching sex on screen and um you know i've even made the comment in the past that i really do not like gratuitous sex in movies i can't stand it because to me it's cheap entertainment you know instead of uh, you know evolving the plot instead of um developing more on the character instead of exploring a particular aspect of a storyline more we're just going to throw behind on the screen we're just going to throw some boobs on the screen you know and, and and to me it's irritating because it's just it's just weak it just shows a lack of creativity why am i not offended by the nudity because i've been desensitized because you cannot watch a series on one of the premium channels. And that's the thing. They come out some really great series with great storylines, you know. But it's been times I remember um, it was this show. 
Um, it was on stars and it was about pirates. And I really, I like pirates. I just think they're cool. So I remember I was starting to watch the series. I was so excited. And like in the first minute, it was like a hardcore sex scene. I'm like, okay. And then at like a couple minutes later, it was like another one. I'm like, okay, I can't watch this. This is ridiculous. All right. This is, I'm not going to spend the whole show fast forwarding, you know, this is crazy, you know? And, and, but it's just that we've been, and, and, and Tim, I should have been offended by the lack of morality. I should have been offended by the debauchery, but I wasn't. I'm offended because the poor storyline and the unnecessary, the uh, how unnecessary it is to do that. Because even myself as a Christian, I have been desensitized by our raunch culture. I've been totally desensitized. I'm not going to sit here and lie. And so what happens is, is that we as a, as a culture have been desensitized by fornication or other immoral behaviors. We've been so desensitized. Most of us have, whether you want to admit it or not, because the things that people say and do out in the open, if they would have done it 25 years ago, we would have clutched our pearls and said, oh, my God. Now it's like, OK, why are we talking about this? Why is this news? You know, um, but we've been desensitized to fornication and immoral behaviors. And our society has normalized open rebellion against God. I mean, let's not forget, we spent an entire month in June rebelling, celebrating rebellion against God's design for human sexuality. The, that is the entire Pride Month is celebrating rebellion against God's design for human sexuality. That's what the month is about. Whether people necessarily see it that way, I, I can see something however I want. The reality is still the reality. And that's the unfortunate part of many people um, just are are blind to the reality of that. But we all, myself included, totally desensitized. And so that's how we get to a point where we think it's normal in our society to watch porn. Like it's normal, it's not a big deal, everybody does it, who cares, it's cool. You know, I mean, I've been to parties, and not recently, of course, but it's been a long time when I was like in my early 20s, like a house party. Like it's just a normal house party, People are just hanging out, having a couple drinks, nothing strange going on. Everyone's talking. And somebody just put a pornographic film on, just like, hey, everybody. It's just like, or I've been to functions or like places where it's like a strip, if you will, where like there's lots of people walking up and down the street where it's like shops, bars, restaurants, arcades, whatever. And some, it'll be like every now and again, it'll be this guy. It's when TVs, putting TVs in the head, rest in the cars got popular. And they would just drive down the street with the TVs going. It's all blasting, and it's just a pornographic movie. Just playing. So we're talking about, it's like 8, 9 o'clock at night. It's a street full of people walking up and down the street, socializing, hanging out, and the car rolls by with just a headrest, with TVs in the headrest, with just a pornographic film playing. I mean, this is just crazy. And when you sit and think about it, it's like, man, our culture is really jacked up. You know, and it's just... I think sometimes because we're so knee deep in the culture, it's it's. I don't think we really stop and say to ourselves, wow, how raunchy is that? That you would think it's okay to just blast a pornographic film driving down the street for the public to watch. But this is what people do. Or, or I'm at a party and people are just hanging out. It's not like it was that type of party. You get with my drip. You know, some people are into some really bizarre functions. They're swingers and other things. But this isn't the case. We're talking about a regular house party where like people are hanging out, playing beer pong and, and watching television. And it's a, it's a regular movie on and 
people are having a bonfire in the back, just normal, quiet, and then somebody just they put a pornographic film on, you know, like. But this is our culture, and this is this is where we are. Now, would you know, would you know, maybe you don't know, that half of sex trafficked victims use, are used, I mean, sex trafficked victims are, are making pornography. Half. So 50% of victims who are sex trafficked make pornography. 80%, um, and this was based on a survey that somebody done, the um, California Cognitive Behavior Institute. So half of the sex trafficked victims that they interviewed were forced to make pornography. That's crazy, half. 80% of those who have been freed from human trafficking had to reenact specific acts from pornography. Now, that's very important by the people who enslaved them. So that's kind of to go into what I was saying earlier, that many of the people, they'll watch pornography and then they'll see something and they want to do it. And so they have, they can't get their wife or girlfriend, or maybe they're not romantically involved with anyone. And since it's so debased what they watch, they go hire a sex slave to live out this fantasy. So if you ever uh, underestimate the impact porn is having, I mean, here are just some facts that, that, that just really cannot be ignored. And again, as I mentioned, uh, that half of the sample group were used, the cute men, women, and children were forced to make pornographic films. Also, um, uh, sex traffickers use pornography to train their victims. So the thing about it is, folks, is that when someone is in, uh, you kidnap a kid or you kidnap someone and you want them to do all this stuff, that's why a lot of uh, uh, sex traffic victims are on drugs. Um, you know, and, and, and it was interesting, I was on a radio show the other day and a woman made a point to distinguish between sex traffic victims and uh, prostitutes. So a prostitute, again, is a person who willfully engages in this activity. Um, not all, but many prostitutes are drug or drug addicts first, and they are having a tough time um, funding their drug habit. And so then they get into prostitution because they see it as a quote unquote easy way to make money to get drugs. That is different from the sex traffic victims who are people who are kidnapped or lured or what have you, and then are coerced into doing these things. And they use pornographic films to quote unquote teach them or train them on how to perform an act. So that's another way of porn, porn pornography is helping the sex traffic industry. Um, some other things to remember, and also people need to remember that pornography encourages people to enter the entertainment industry as a profession. And that's something that, you know, I didn't really realize until I began teaching. So I remember. I was talking to some of my students and I was talking to them about, you know, they shouldn't enter like being in the pornography or being a stripper because, you know, there's girls who do this thinking it's easy money. I mean, many of us who went to college know of a story of someone who became a stripper or what have you or made some pornographic films um, to make money. And many women... I think young girls, especially when they start off stripping, they don't see themselves making pornographic films, but then it just kind of devolves into it. And I was warning my students that sometimes the love of money can get people doing all kinds of things. And I was just talking to them about it and they began defending it. Like, so what, Miss K? Ain't nothing wrong with that. They making their money. So what if somebody want to make porn? So what, they making money? What's the big deal? And I'm like, what? You know, and so here's the thing. And this, I've said this before in our society. 
people have always been doing things that they had no business doing. People, people are people are people are people. People are people, you know? So that's really nothing to do. People have always been doing illicit things for money or what have you. But what's different is, is, is being promoted in the public square. And people do not want to admit that shame has a healthy place in our society. So when people feel ashamed um, of engaging in certain acts of licentiousness, so they do them in private, that's actually a good thing. Not them doing it, but the sense of shame. It serves two purposes. Number one, the shame serves as a motivator to hopefully that individual will stop that particular behavior. The second purpose the shame serves is that that behavior will not be a proselytized, if you will, in the public square. Once a sinful behavior is becoming advocated for in the public square, you're necessarily going to get more of it and it's going to corrupt society. One of the reasons why, one of the, not the reason, but one of the reasons why God had the children of Israel, one of the reasons is that he had them smite the Can Canaanites one of the reasons was because he didn't want them to corrupt them because he had a specific purpose. God has very specific reason why he called Israel to himself. He had, it was partially, it was not partially, but it was for the redemptive purpose, the redemptive purposes of all of mankind. He had a plan. He didn't just do it. For, I'm just going to pick these people for no reason. So he had a particular reason why he picked these people and had them uh, smite or put a ban on the Canaanites and, and he did have them do different things. But one reason is he didn't want them to corrupt them. He didn't want them to engage in their pagan practices. Now, if you do any study on ancient history, again, nothing is new under the sun. All the stuff we hear people doing weird, all the stuff that's going on in pornographic films, the ancients did it too. It's just, I mean, nothing is new. Nothing is new. There's no novel idea in this, in this situation here. Um, and, and, and again, part of a lot of the pagan worship involves uh, cult prostitutes, temple prostitutes, uh, which involved men, women, and children. And so God did not want Israel picking up those behaviors. That, that was part of the reason for the ban. And what I mean by ban, he had them kill all the Canaanites, men, women, children, everybody. Even animals, even the animals. And if you read, you know, you know I learned this in theology school, but if, even if you read some of the ancient Canaanite literature, um, one of the reasons why one of my teachers theorized that God called them to kill the animals because the people actually sexually abused the animals as well. So you didn't want those kind of animals around um, around the population because they could become aggressive because they're used to having relations with humans. So, I mean, it, the ancients were just, they, they, it, they were out of control. So this is nothing new. This is nothing new. So God had very good reasons why he would separate people from others. And scripture even tells us don't keep company with evil men for two reasons. Number one, any trouble they get in can befall upon us. And number two, they can necessarily corrupt us as well. So when you have a debauchery and licentiousness being advocated for in the public square, necessarily it's going to impact our children. It's going to impact the youth. That's what's going to happen. And so we need to understand that. Um, and another thing they point out in the movie, I mean, in the in the documentary rather, is that pornography cannot be separated from prostitution or sex trafficking. And the reason why this is so important, and and in this particular, because you guys are like, is that the theme of the of the move of this video? Is that of this episode rather? Is that pornography and, and sex trafficking is one and the same? 
the reason why I say that is because many of these porn producers and directors, they function as pimps. They are, they're simply just, it's just a different, a different type of pimping. That's it. It's just a different type of pimping. They are, they're pimps. So when you are having people perform sex acts for money and you're getting a cut, you're a pimp. That's all. What does a pimp do? A pimp is basically an agent who beats you up, you know? And then two, one thing we have to remember, if Hollywood, Hollywood has the, the, the reputation of the casting couch, that so many times the power the director has is used as a leverage. So that's what Harry Weinstein got in trouble for. He used his, his power to extort sex from women for roles. How much worse do you think the porn industry is? Seriously, think about that. If they are doing this kind of stuff, and just regular Hollywood where they make regular movies. What do you think they're doing in the porn industry? Only God knows. It has to be horrible. Absolutely horrible. I'm just saying. So, and a lot of people feel like, well, you know, I'm watching, you know, porn online. And I could tell that this isn't going on, blah, 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 blah. You have no way of knowing if what you're watching is a willing participant or a rape victim. You have... No way of knowing. Because what you have to understand is that websites, and they talked a lot about Pornhub in this episode, All most of their videos, if not all, not all, but a vast majority of their videos are user-generated, meaning the user just uploaded. So you don't know who this person is. So I, I could go and kidnap people and force them at gunpoint to form sex acts and upload it on the internet and make a ton of money. You have no way of knowing. We'll get to that in just a minute. And even if they did consent, like I said before, even if these dick, these people did consent, we're enjoying people sinning against God and harming themselves for our entertainment. We should never find joy in watching people harm themselves and rebel against God. You know what I mean? That's like sitting here watching someone shoot heroin for fun. That shouldn't amuse us. Because when we are amused by pornography, we are supporting people being damned to hell. We are. And, and you have to think about it in that way. You have to support, you You are supporting people being damned to hell. You know what I mean? And so as I was saying before, sites like Pornhub, and that was the, the focus of the video because that's the number one web porn provider. Uh, most of their views, as I said, are user generated. So for on Pornhub's part, they know what's going on. They know that a lot of these people on there are being sex trafficked. They know that there's videos of kids being sexually abused uploaded to their website. They know that because it's user generated. So they don't have, they don't care. They're making a ton of money. In fact, a couple of incidences, the incidences, I can't talk, incidents that they uh, talked about on the episode. One um, was a 15 year old girl who was missing. It was a 15 year old girl who was missing. And someone uploaded 58 videos of her on Pornhub. 58, a 15-year-old girl, 58 videos have been made of her. And they were uploaded online. And she fought like tooth and nail to get Pornhub to pull the videos down. And she had to threaten them with legal action before they removed the film. Think about that. 15-year-old girl. We must pray for that girl. They didn't say her name, of course, but Lord have mercy. Another incident was a 14-year-old girl from England who was kidnapped at knife point. She was kidnapped at knife point, 14 years old, and she was in England, tortured and raped for 12 hours. 
14-year-old girl tortured and raped for 12 hours. And the video was uploaded on Pornhub. And she begged for months to have that video removed. There you go. Finally got it removed. Another video that was uploaded on Pornhub was a toddler. A toddler being sexually abused. A toddler. Think about that. A toddler. I mean, also they had an incident they discussed uh, about a uh, some women who had been coerced and pressured to produce and participate in pornographic films. And it was 22 women had filed a lawsuit against this man who had based, I, I don't know how he coerced them. I just, I don't know. But if you had any indication, you could be like, well, I mean, how can you coerce some grown women? The guy, the man that they sued, he was indicted on producing child pornography. So um, that's all you need to know about him. If he producing child porn, whatever they said about him, I believe it. And, you know, one quote they said that was so true from William Wilberforce. And I, I take so much courage when you read the writings of the abolitionists um, in England and America. These were some really courageous men and women because they had to buck the culture. And that's what you have to understand. And there are so many correlations that can be drawn between slavery and this porn industry we're talking about, sex trafficking and abortion, because so many times, because they deal with the exploitation of other people. And so many times when a lot of money is being generated from an industry, people don't want to hear about this stuff. It's like I'm making so much money from it. And the same was true with slavery. People made a ton of money. You know, you got these idiots that want to romanticize it and make it seem like it's some grand conspiracy. It's just about money. Free labor. You, you're, you're selling people. But when, when William Wilberforce really confronted English society with the horrors of it, and it's like, look how these people are being treated. And you call yourself a Christian. That This is really okay? And he said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. And so the same is true with pornography, the porn industry. You can, you can look the other way, but you can't say you didn't know because I'm telling you right now what they are doing. It is unbelievable. You know, and that's the problem with, um, with it. It's just people love money. You know, 66% of traffic victims make money for their captors through pornography use. So remember earlier I gave a statistic for that particular study, it was 50% of the people polled had said, in that particular study, said that they had made porn films. But 66% of the money that sex traffickers make is from pornographic films. Excuse me. Because it's so easy. They just get some people, abuse the person, upload it on the internet. Boom, done. And, and they don't have to deal with finding Johns and all kinds of stuff. And 19% comes from actually selling the people to others. So actually from the sex trafficking industry, only 19%. Now, how they make the other revenue, I don't know what they do. Maybe they make them strip. I'm not sure. But only 19% actually comes from selling them to other people. Most of it is just make, forcing them to produce porn. So, you know, we as I mentioned earlier, we, we talked about... Um, we talked about the issue of sexual licentiousness but, and, and, and morality. But the other issue is the love of money. 
And, and this makes me think, and they mentioned in the video, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And, and here are the important points, remember. Money, money is not evil. You know, people get this all the time. They say money is the root of all evil. Really? Now, how you get food? It's the love of money. It's when we love money to the extent that we are willing to do anything. And that's why I said we can learn so much from the abolitionist movement, how they kind of shock the conscience of a society saying you love money so much that you're willing to exploit these people. You don't care about these human beings because you like money. And the same is true for porn producers, Pornhub, all these different. And, and what's interesting, they were talking about that it's a company, it's a shadow company called MindGeek who is really the number one porn producer on the internet. And so they have s several different companies that they make, um, that they use to make pornography. And if you go to MindGeek's website, it's just a regular, like they're just the internet cloud computing company. They just market themselves as a regular company that you can go get cloud-based and business solution services. It's just it's like a regular company. It's called MindGeek. It's a regular company. In reality, they're just a porn producer. They do all those services, but for porn companies. That's what they do. They just simply produce and upload porn on the internet and make probably billions of dollars doing this. It's really, really, really sad. And the people who uh, run strip clubs, you know, again, we can't talk about this, the licentiousness, but it's money. That's why prostitution is called the oldest profession. It's called the oldest profession for a reason. That a lot of people, specifically men, more than not, more more often men, will pay tons of money to have a sexual desire satisfied. And so other people are fully aware of that. And so they exploit the they exploit it. They don't care. They're like, I'm getting money. And now my sister went to high school with a girl who now produces pornography for films. So this is what she does. The woman produces porn. They don't care. They're like, I'm, I'm making money. You know how much money I can make? And this is the same true with drug dealers. You know, they don't care that they're peddling poison in the community. They don't care that they're killing their fellow man. They feel like, listen, if I didn't peddle this drug, if I didn't peddle this dope, they would just get it from somebody else. So what difference does it make if I'm making some bucks off of the person? Same is true with pornography. They're like, they would want to watch porn anyway. So how am I wrong? I'm just giving the people what they want. It's the love of money. It's the love of money. And what's really interesting is kind of a sidebar. But in 1 Timothy 6, he's talking to Timothy, who we know as a young pastor. And he's talking about false teachers in that, in that portion. He's talking about them falling away and not falling in love with money. Because people will do all kinds of bad things. And a lot of the great falling away in the weak churches who just want to talk about your personal victory because that's what keeps butts in the seats for these people and that's what makes them money they just sell a bunch of how many these pastors nowadays sell self-help books most of the popular pastors do not sell theology books where they actually teach people how to get closer to god and even if they're talking about getting closer to god the whole premise is get close to god so you can get more stuff not so i can be a better servant to god anyways i digress don't want to get off topic now, a really interesting 
excuse me, a really interesting point that they pointed out is that oftentimes when we think of sex trafficked people, we think of people who get kidnapped and get sold far away from home or uh, get sold to another country in another country somewhere. That actually isn't it. And they showed a clip, and I'm going to go over quickly, of the stages of sex trafficking. And most sex trafficking is totally domestic. Totally domestic. And this woman has given a speech about how they work. So the first thing is that they lure people. And, and the thing is, the, the steps are in the luring process, there's four stages. Luring, grooming, and gaming, coercion, and manipulation, then just straight-up exploitation. So in the luring stage, they're assessing the target. And one thing, too, is if you have a young person, if you have a young daughter, teenage daughter, let her watch this episode. Because so many young girls have this habit of when I get angry, I'm going to run away from home. How many times have we seen that happen? Because most missing children are not kidnapped. Most missing children are runaways. So, so many kids get frustrated with mom and dad or just tired of whatever, and they decide they're going to run away. Well, pimps or sex traffickers, they watch that because it's so much easier to go through these four steps than just straight up grab somebody. You have to be pretty bold to just go and just grab a person off the street. That You don't know who's around, who's watching, unless they are walking down an alley at night. And still, that's pretty... That's pretty gutsy move there. But what they do is they observe. So if they're at bus, that's a lot of pimps hanging around bus stops and places like that. Because they want to find the runaways. They want to find the lonely girl. Or if it's somebody in the neighborhood who's looking to pimp girls out, just see who has a broken home, who has a dysfunctional family, who has these things going on. And when you do this, you go and you want to collect information on the person. So you can see, all right, so, all right, who is this person? What's their family life like? Is their home life stable? Is there a dad in the picture? Because a lot of times people don't get, this is the importance of the two-parent family, is that men scare away potential predators. You know, and I'm going to talk about this on Friday's episode, and, uh, kind of some of the hatred the left has um, for Christianity. And, I, and in that episode, I'm going to delve into why I spend so much time on my episodes discussing politics and social issues. And it'll, it'll make sense on Friday's episode why I do this so much. Um, is that you can't show me an uh, animal in the animal kingdom where the male isn't the lead. And men, even male animals. Like, it's a reason why when we eat meat, we always eat the female. We don't eat bull meat. We don't eat boar meat. We don't eat roosters. We eat chickens, pigs, and cows. Or heifers. It's the reason for that. It tastes better. The testosterone in the male animal makes the meat taste gross. Testosterone makes the animal more aggressive. It makes them stronger. Certain qualities you need for a leader and a protector. And with that being said, you're like, where am I going with this unexplained? Even in animals. The father, the man, the male, not man, but the male is a leader and protector. And so when you look at with humans, the father is the leader and the protector. And so that is going to discourage potential sex traffickers and pimps from hanging around your house or trying to sniff around your daughter. 
So the next thing during the luring process, they want to make them feel special. And this is my advice to a lot of young girls. And my mother told me this. Don't accept gifts from men you don't like. But even if you like a man, you don't accept any gift. Because oftentimes they're not giving you gifts for no reason. They're expecting something in return. So if you got a guy, you know, you've been dating him for a week. And he wants to give you a diamond necklace. That is pretty fast. Pretty fast. You know, you you need, it's a, I know it's a lot of variables. There's sometimes you're a girl who's dating like this super wealthy guy. Or maybe it's someone you've known for years and you just started dating. I'm talking about a new person you really don't know. It's kind of questionable how you came about those means. It's just. You got to be careful. And they find ways to make women, the people feel so special. The girls feel so, so, so special and so wonderful. And that's how they start to lure them in. And then they have what they call grooming and gaming. Where they have the honeymoon stage where they act like they're in love. And they're going to make these dreams come true. And it's a reason why they purposely look for broken girls. Because it's easier to get her to drink the Kool-Aid because she's looking for someone to sweep her off her feet. She's looking for someone to make her feel loved. And that's why they want damaged girls. I know of an individual who said that he wanted girls who he only wanted to date women who came from fatherless homes because he knew it would be easier to manipulate them. I know of a person who said that. And this is the attitude that some men have. They want girls who came from fatherless homes because they know it's easier to manipulate them. It's easier to groom them the way they want. So they promise the girls a family and a home and treating her, like I said, with clothes, hair, gifts, all kind of stuff. And sometimes that's when they start using drugs because drugs alter your behavior. As we know, whenever time you get drunk or high, it can truly make people act out of character. And also, if the girl becomes addicted to drugs, it's easier to manipulate her into performing sex acts on camera or what have you because she wants because that person is her supplier. So after that, it's co co coercion and manipulation. So they might send mixed messages. They might withdraw. And so once the girl is pretty much hooked and addicted and in love, he might withdraw from her unless she gives what he wants, and then she's going to do what he wants to keep his love and affection. Uh, toys with her emotions. Uh, she tries to get back in his good in his good graces. Uh, that's a lot of times with sex acts, and he requires sex acts, and then he rewards her with time, drugs, or money. And then the final stage is exploitation, where they break her down, threaten her. Uh, she owes him money. You know, I've been doing this and this, and you have to do this if you want me to leave you alone. I remember it's a city not too far from me. I think it was, if I recall the story correctly, it was a girl. I think she had sex with this boy, and he started pimping her out. And this was like, in the, you know, she didn't come from a dysfunctional family from all appearances. I mean, she just came from a regular American family, and she made the mistake of having sex with the boy and he recorded it or took pictures of her or something like that. Or she sent him new video. I can't remember. Basically, the long story short is he has some new photos and videos of her and he threatened to release them and show them to everybody at school unless she would have sex for money and he will pimp her out. You know, so this kind that's why it's so dangerous for young people to have sex. That's why it's so dangerous. Do not ever send your pictures I don't care how much you love somebody. I don't care. You don't have sex on camera. You don't send naked pictures of yourself. 
it's an easy way to get blackmailed. And then the financial pressure as well. You know, she feels like she needs the money. And then also it could be physical abuse. And then we have actual kidnapping where the person is confined and isolated. So, you know, it, it it's it's really a sad situation. So you need to be looking out for these things. And if you're a parent, you know, you have to remember something. The best protection against a, a sex trafficker are two things, a strong family and a strong church family. And I say a strong family first because even if a church family is strong, if the home life is dysfunctional, uh, that's going to still, that's where people spend most of their time is at home, not at church. So a strong family is going to be the number one tool against protecting your child against sex traffickers. And you, the way your kids don't feel like they need to look for love and attention in other places and spaces. That's so important. You don't want your kid to feel like they have to look outside or look other places for love. That's very harmful. And then a strong church family where they have a strong foundation in Christ. They need a strong foundation in Christ. That way they won't feel comfortable rebelling against him. You know, I could think just, as I said before myself as a Christian, if I do something that I know is wrong, I feel really terrible about it. Really terrible. So I've let God down. That's the place you want to be in life. Where letting God down is just makes you so unhappy that you don't want to do it. And that's where you need to be in life. To the point where you're like, you know, I don't want to let God down. Excuse me. I don't want to disappoint God. And that's where we need to be. But the best protection for your child is a strong family. You need to be involved in your kid's life. Who is your kid hanging around? Who is your kid friends with? You know, I, I've seen too many parents are so lackadaisical about what their kid is doing. They're just like, whatever the kid wants to do. And I, I shared before, I've had students say their parents allow their boyfriend or girlfriend to spend a night. That is crazy that you let your child's boyfriend or girlfriend spend the night in the home. You're asking to be a grandparent. And a lot of people, just the kids can go anywhere, hang out with anybody with no question of who this person is. You cannot do that. Like my mom said when I was growing up, you don't have privacy. Mine is when you take in the bath or use the bathroom. But in my house, I come in whatever room I want to come in. That's it. But all these kids have rights. Yeah, I mean, it, we're not talking about abuse. And you want to give your kids some autonomy. But if something seems off or something seems suspicious, you need to say something. And you can't have kids hanging out all times of the night. And if there's a house where you know that there's, because you always had those parents in the neighborhood or in the community who let kids drink at their house and do all kind of stuff. No. I don't care. You've got to put rules on your kids. And also monitor your kids' online behavior, whether it be video games. And that's something else they didn't mention in the episode, but I heard this before uh, listening to people speak about the issue of um, like sex trafficking and pornography and stuff like that, that also even on video games. So what you'll have people do is get on video games where not a lot of young boys are on there, and they'll pretend to be a little girl at his age. So say you have your son's 13 or whatever. And it's a girl, he's, he, think, he think he's chatting with a girl 
who's 13 as well. And they're talking and he likes talking with her. And then she asked him to send a nude photo of himself. Now, he may be hesitant, but then when he receives a nude photo from whom he thinks is a 13-year-old girl, but is really an adult who is extorting him, then he sends a nude photo of himself and then come to find out this person is demanding more uh, photos, videos, and is simply back backmailing your child. This happens over video games. This happens over video games. And be careful what your kids are doing on their phone. Now, I've said this before. I do not believe in giving kids cell phones. Now, I know a lot of parents may think that I'm being ridiculous. I'm telling you, as a teacher and as a parent, I feel it's horribly negligent to do so. I don't care what the culture is doing. I don't care what the times are doing. You think you can put parent locks on your kids' devices. They will get around it. Believe you me. Telling you. See it all the time. And I told you before, in my daughter's school, there is a little kid who is like an expert hacker. And the kids bring their phones, their tablets, their laptops to school to have him hack the parent device, the parent block. Come on now. They have hackathons. They have hacking competitions. Lots of people are experienced hackers. You don't know who your kid is talking to. And all of us know, even myself included, there are things my mother talked to me about till she was blue in the face. And I went and did it anyway. I went and did it anyway. So you can say, well, I talk to my kid. That doesn't mean to go listen. So like I said before, I just, if you're going to get your kid a phone, let it, get, let it be the jitterbug, which is basically the phone with like five numbers. And they can call, <laughs> they got five people they can call. I've been seeing some people get their kid a little watch that's like a Dick Tracy watch where they got numbers and they can call. And the... Don't give your kid a smartphone. I think it's a terrible idea. And even if it's not sexual content, they're watching all kind of demonic content. There's so much demonic activity and encouraging kids to cast spells. It's just, you, they just have unfettered access to any literally anything. There's nothing you can't, I mean, there is nothing I can't find on the internet. Tell me I can't find it and I bet you I can find it. And a lot of these kids are going to the deep web or the dark web. Excuse me, they're going to the dark web. And you can get, and you can buy hitmen, you can buy prostitutes, you can buy drugs, you can buy all kinds of stuff on the deep web. So, and don't think their friends aren't telling them about it, especially these kids who are gamers. So monitor what your kid is doing, your kid's online behavior. Stop giving your kids unfettered access. And a lot of parents just let their kids sit up in the um, in the room with the door closed on their phone. I'm like, he's just in there on his phone. I'm like, you gotta be biggest idiot in the world. And I mean that nicely. I mean it nicely. And I may sound like a jerk for saying it like that. And I'm sorry, but you are doing your child a massive disservice. You about to have a very dysfunctional porn addict in your house. I'm just telling you, people... My daughter told me um, she was at lunch, at lunch at school. We're talking about sitting in the cafeteria. And this girl was just sitting there and watching porn while eating her lunch. In the fifth grade, a 10-year-old girl sitting at lunch, eating her chicken or turkey or ham sandwich, watching porn. But all the other kids around, they just watch, just watching porn. This is what's going on in society. Don't listen to me. 
As I mentioned earlier, and, and another thing they talked about, be careful who your kids hang around. Be careful who your kids hang around. Be careful who their friends are. Everybody who seems fun does not mean they're good. I mean, I don't even need to get into that because, I mean, just think of ourselves. I had some friends that I had to cut loose because the lifestyles they were living were not conducive to something I want to be around. Even even when I was like 18 and 19, there's some people I had to cut loose because they were hanging around illegal activity. And I knew that could just bring trouble. And the last thing they talked about was so important is that if you are a person who is struggling with pornography, remember this, that Jesus is the only way for you to overcome. You know, I, I comment frequently that humans are depraved or wretched sinners because that's what the scripture tells us. And we know it ourselves. None of us are good. As I said before, the life of a Christian is not one of perfection, but repentance. We all have issues. We all have struggles. We all have problems. But the Lord Jesus Christ came to set us free from the law of sin and death. He came to set us free that way we didn't have to pay for our sins. But we have to come to him and he will help you overcome and deal with the reality of the sin you struggle with. There is so All of us struggle with some sin. All of us. All of us. And I just want to read really quickly from 1 Corinthians 6. And it says, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. It says 6, 9 through 11, excuse me. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers, who inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. And so it's so important to remember if you are a person who struggles with porn addiction or you are a person who've had sex for money or if you facilitate it, when we think of a pimp, we think of some greasy person who, you know, is looking to abuse women. Sometimes it's not that simple. I've heard of instances where women who prostitute will hire a pimp to keep them safe. I've heard of that happening. Like, hey, come with me. I'm about to go have sex with this guy. And you hang around so he don't, like, kill me or nothing, and I'll pay you $20. Some women want a pimp. That way they won't get abused by the client. You know, whether you are involved in any type of adult entertainment, there is an out. And, and that's one of the reasons I love, I love God so much. And, when you again, when you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and after all these sins Paul mentions, he goes on to say, and such were some of you. All of us were something. I don't know a Christian around. I don't care if you said I gave my life to the Lord at seven years old. You all, We've all done things that are wrong. We've all done things that are immoral. So many Christians were people who were former fornicators, former drunkards, former homosexuals, people who committed murder. There's people who've done all kinds of things and God has sanctified them and washed them clean. But they had to repent. And you have to realize that you are not good. You cannot carry the burden of trying to be good. 
You, you're incapable of doing it. God will give you the strength and courage to do it. But you have to go to him. You have to spend time in the word of God every day. And that's something people need to understand. When I kind of slack or slip or reading the scripture, I can tell a difference in my life. It is a daily walk. You have to read your Bible every day. You have to pray every day. Our sinful flesh just craves. And, and really quick, really quick, I'm going to go to um, Galatians 5. And it talks about in Galatians 5, excuse me, in Galatians 5, uh, let's see, uh, 16 through 25, it says, it talks about the flesh. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's 516 in Galatians. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit and are not under the law. And he goes and talks about the, the works of the flesh. It's immorality, reverie, sexual immorality, you know, drunkenness, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's what Paul is saying. There is this constant fight. Because your flesh wants to do bad stuff. Just because you're a Christian, that doesn't mean suddenly, nah, I don't want to sin anymore. No, what it is, you love God more than you love sin. It's not that the desire to sin magically disappears. Sometimes that happens. Some things I don't have a desire to do because it's like, I just don't. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miraculous thing. But some things I still have a desire to do. Let's not get it twisted. Just because you're a Christian, I mean, suddenly I don't have a desire to sin anymore. That feeling is left. I don't want to sin ever again. That is simply not true. There's a war. Okay? The Holy Spirit... It's talking, saying, don't do that. And your flesh is like, come on, come on, it'd be fun. Just this one time, one more time. This is the last time. That happens all the time. And so you have to make a conscious decision to walk by the Holy Spirit. But that requires prayer and studying the Bible. Every Studying your Bible every day. If you read your Bible every day and you pray every day, a couple times a day, then it will be so much easier for you to walk through this life. And as our culture becomes more and more debased, the harder it is for people. And that means the stronger you have to be and the more grounded you have to be in the word of God. Jesus loves you. You're never too far. Your sin is never too great. For God to love you and to wash you clean, you just have to repent and give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So you'll be free from the law of sin and death. Thank you so much for tuning in to It's Solid Food. I am on all major podcast podcast platforms. Thank you for watching the show. You can check out my website at www.ChristinaCaramo.com. We are under construction, making some new updates. You can also check me out on Facebook and YouTube at The Christina Caramo Project. I am also on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's Caramo the G-R and the number eight. And remember, 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 remember to be brave, bold, because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles.